Are you having trouble figuring out how to spark innovation in your organization? Maybe, maybe you need to just start playing around. Stay tuned and find out more. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. Earlier this year, for about six weeks, we were playing games at First National Bankers Bank. Not just any game, but a very specific game called Quarto. Now, I'll share more about why Quarto is a great game for a corporate environment in just a bit. But first, let me address what you're probably already thinking. Why on earth would a bank be playing games, particularly during business hours? Well, the answer lies in the constructs of creativity and innovation. If you agree with the premise that any industry must get more innovative if we're going to thrive in the coming years to serve our customers and how they'll consume our services radically changes, then what is going to spur innovation? There's no innovation without that spark of creativity. Well, then, what promotes creativity? Play. Yeah, play. Being whimsical. Being encouraged to come up with crazy ideas. Having fun. Now, it's my opinion that we have made our workplace, especially in financial services, specifically and purposefully not fun. It is not fun for us as employees, and almost certainly it's not fun for our customers. And the lack of fun, I mean, is it really necessary to achieve our goals, to, to provide high-quality financial services? Do we need to be so super serious about our jobs as bankers in order to be effective. Now, think for just a moment. What subset of people are inherently more creative than any other on the planet? Have you thought about it? Children. Yeah. Kids have infinite creativity. You just go observe them on the playground. They'll create whole worlds out of a jungle gym and whatever may be lying around. And they do not care about who observes their play. Their play is genuine, it's spontaneous, and infinitely creative. They have not yet learned that play is not appropriate in certain forms. Now, as time goes by, we all learn that there's a time and place for fun and games. As we get older, it seems like the time allotted for play becomes incredibly short, and the places where play can occur are few and far between. The mores of our office drive play and fun out of the workplace, greatly hindering creativity and thus innovation. Crazy ideas are looked upon with scorn, and those that look to specifically inject fun into the workplace are labeled as not serious about their jobs. That is an incredible shame. Now, you don't have to set up monkey bars in a bank lobby to encourage a fun environment. Although, wouldn't you visit that bank, right? I get that turning a lobby into a circus is not the vibe that a bank wants to project. However, I truly believe that driving fun and play out of the workplace is counterproductive to creativity and innovation. Of course, you could initiate an effort to enable your organization to be more creative, but a good start would be to just eliminating barriers to fun. People genuinely seek for their work environment to be more fun than not. 
And removing specific barriers will allow fun to creep into the workplace. Would it be so terrible if both employees and customers enjoyed the experience interacting with each other? I don't think so. Neither does Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson has authored a book called Wonderland, How Play Made the Modern Modern World. Let me say that again. Steven Johnson, How Play Made the Modern World, Wonderland. And this book explores the historical relevance of play and how many of the technical developments at the core of our world evolved from the desire to amuse and be amused. He highlights stories and historical figures, such as Charles Babbage. And Charles is considered a father of modern computers, and they were influenced by whimsy. As a youngster, Babbage was visiting a mechanical museum, and he was enthralled by a machine that was driving a mechanical dancer. Thirty years later, he writes a seminal work on industrial technology, and he begins tinkering with an idea that eventually becomes known as the analytical engine, considered to be the first programmable computer ever imagined. Why is play so powerful? Johnson says that as humans, we learn when we have experiences that confound our expectations. Hmm. The point of play is to be surprised. Play becomes the gateway to possibility. And if you're in a creative funk, you need to start playing. Now, if you want to learn more about Stephen Johnson's book, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put a link for, uh, for you in the, in the show notes. Highly recommend it. Now, at our bank, First National Bankers Bank, our senior leadership focuses on enabling a team that has the technical skills to execute at a high level to serve our customers who are banks. Now, it's a family atmosphere. People generally enjoy working with with each other. We do. And and yet it's very much like any other bank in that our goal is to have a professional work environment. The mores and decorum that you would find in almost any financial institution exist at FNBB. Now, let me state that I have crazy ideas about how we can make commercial banking more fun. The gamification of service charges, um, you know, is not the craziest of the ideas that I have. You know what I really want? I, I want a big wheel, like like on the prices right. And if you qualify for a loan, you would go and spin the rate wheel and see what your interest rate is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a crazy idea. Uh, you know, how many times do you go into a bank that has a kid's play area right in the lobby? But but that would make sense in two ways. It would occupy the kids while parents do banking. It would also allow us to observe their play and wonder, why can't we be as creative as those kids? As chief innovation officer, I want to spur innovation across our entire organization. So to do that, I, I needed to come up with a way to achieve three things that would positively influence all of our employees. Number one, I want to encourage strategic, innovative thinking. Two, I wanted to model the creation and operation of a cross-functional team. And three, and most importantly, I just wanted something that would be fun. So I figured the best option would be to find a game that any employee could play. It needed to be something that could occur in the context of a regular workday, so it couldn't take up too much time. Games like chess are very strategic, but also very complicated, and it can take hours to play a game. On the other hand, tic-tac-toe is very simple and quick to play, but it really doesn't require that high level of strategy. Plus, it yields an inordinate number of ties. And so what I came up instead was a Quarto tournament. 
I referenced Quarto before. It's an excellent game to use for achieving my goals. The rules are simple to understand, but gameplay requires a different level of strategic thinking than most other games that I know. Quarto is a board game. It has 16 spaces for game pieces organized in a 4x4 square. Each of the wooden pieces has four characteristics. They can be tall or short. They can be light or dark. They can be round or square. Or they can have a flat top or a dimpled top. Now, to win at Quarto, you just have to get four pieces in a row that have one of the characteristics. Four squares or four darks. You get the idea, right? Simple. Simple. It's originally created by a Swift mathematician that Quarto gameplay has this one kind of really amazing twist that makes it perfect for spurring strategic thinking. When it's your turn, your opponent picks the piece that you have to play. Once you play that piece on the board, you pick up a piece and give it to your opponent. Back and forth you go until all 16 spaces are filled or somebody achieves four pieces with the same characteristics in a row. Now, since you can't predict what piece you will be handed to play, you can't play with a fully offensive focus strategy. You've got to simultaneously play both offense and defense. And since each turn has a 60-second time limit, you have to quickly evaluate the board, choose where you will play the piece that you're given, and then pick a piece to give to your opponent. Now, invariably, while playing, you'll lose track of one of the characteristics, and you'll give your opponent a winning piece. So here's where team play comes in. By creating a team, it's possible to allocate different responsibilities to each team member. After all, if you were playing Quarto and had three people on the team, but you were all just playing as three individuals, it's possible that all three of you would lose track of the same characteristics and give away a win. So for the Quarto tournament I created for FNBB, I required that a three-person cross-functional team be formed. Now, I wanted each team to not just be three people that work together every day. I wanted them to choose team members that would bring in different points of view because they would be from different areas of the bank. And since a one-and-done loss wouldn't allow people to get enough game experience, my tournament was a double elimination bracket. Now, we wound up having 24 teams, which represented close to half of the entire FNBB employee base. And that's across multiple offices. This was happening all around the Southeast United States. Accounting for working around availability of team members to play matches, it took about six weeks to play 46 Quarto games. The teams created a team name, and there were periodic updates that were broadcast across the enterprise of how the tournament was going. Some of the teams really got into the spirit. They created uniforms. Uh, there was good-natured banner across the teams, and many employees were using off hours and lunchtime to play practice Quarto games. We had teams representing most of our geographic regions and had remote players that are not based in any office. So that led us to harnessing technology to enable Quarto matches, regardless of where team members were physically located. We actually had video streams set up so remote players could actively participate in the game. What was the result? Well, the Quarto champions were a team based out of our Birmingham, Alabama office that one of their team members is based remotely in Georgia. They ran through the tournament, never suffered a single loss. They won the cash prize and a gaudy, gargantuan first place Quarto trophy, which they can proudly display in the Birmingham office. Now, what was interesting is that all the teams that represented the final four were teams that had a highly developed team strategy. 
They structured your team by allocating each team member to have a specific task during game play. Now, the winning team had one unique team element that they employed that I believe was the secret to their success. And because now this will be an annual event, I cannot in good conscience give away their secret. In short, the quarter tournament achieved all of my goals. It made people think more strategically. You know, at work or in life, we don't always have to choose what we're handed, but we are in charge of how we conduct our moves. It modeled the value of a cross-functional team, and we definitely had fun. So now I've launched our innovation initiative, and forming cross-functional teams will be a part of doing so. Perhaps when forming a team to work on an internal process improvement, a team member will be chosen based on their playing together on a Quarto team. Do you want to spark enterprise-wide creativity and innovation at your organization? You might take a look at Quarto. It's distributed by a company called Gigamic, and you can find it on Amazon, and I'll put a link for it in the show notes. Now, if you'd like to chat about setting up a tournament, such as I've described in this article, send me a, uh, send me a note at david at davidpeterson.com. I'll be glad to provide you with the background and the processes to successfully enable you to operate this kind of event. So my advice to you is game on. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.